Okay, shall we make a start? Um, thanks for coming. And as I say, you get me this morning and we're married this afternoon, so we're just going to swap around. Um, you've heard enough about me already, so I think we'll, we'll crack straight on. Essentially, my session is going to be looking at the mental health friendly church, and Marion's going to be looking more at the level of a sort of an individual, namely what can we learn from our faith and from psychology about how we manage our own mental health. And I think both of those two sides of the coins are relevant. Um, one of the things I want to try and do is sort of work out whether or not there is such a thing as a mental health friendly church. Um, can we describe it? Um, can we quantify it? Um, who's come across a website called TripAdvisor? So some of you have heard of TripAdvisor, you know, if you want to go on one of these um, package deals to Morocco or something like that, and you're going to fly to the leaf from Manchester, and you're going to be staying at this hotel, and you want to find out whether that hotel is any good, you can look on TripAdvisor and it will sort of have some rating scales and stars one to five and some chat and some testimony from that point of view. And I'm, I'm not saying that we go down the TripAdvisor route, um, but I think it'd be great if there was somewhere where you could look at, or let's say Glasgow, and you can sort of think, oh, well, there's 20 churches here that are, are on this database, and these ones have got really good reviews from the point of view of mental health, and those ones haven't got very good reviews, and that one seems to be really good in terms of it's got, you know, lots of projects, something obvious, like a, a counsellor on the staff or something, and that one, maybe it hasn't got any titles or any particular things, but it just seems to be really good. You know, and I'm, one of the problems with this is that there's a whole load of different um, ways of describing what a mental health friendly church is, and um, I've got ulterior motives here in that um, I'm building a website, a database like this for the UK. I want to map every single mental health friendly church in the UK, and I want you guys to tell me how we're going to do it. Because I, I, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you ought to, um, and I've got some sort of ideas I'll try and share, but I'd love to sort of hear from you guys, well, what makes a mental health friendly church? And I suppose one of the reasons is, let's see if we can get this technology working, it should work, it's obviously going to be difficult for me. If you can, if you can just press the space bar for me intermittently, that would be great, okay? So, one of the things that, um, I, as per Jesus says, on um, and um, just people who are listening to this on the audio, Asbo Jesus is a, a great website, um, asbojesus.wordpress.com, or you can find it by Google, you just type in Asbo Jesus, and uh, he does a whole bunch of fairly controversial cartoons, and one of the things he says, he says, well, you know, grace is the church's best kept secret, and um, the whole of the New Testament is about this, isn't it? You know, grace is always hidden behind works, and we're saved by grace, but they seem to live by works so much of the time. And the New Testament was about um, Jews and Gentiles and how that works things sort of worked its way out for them. And then over time, we've crossed other barriers like, you know, black and white, um, class barriers. We're getting better at that, but there's still a barrier between the mentally well and the mentally ill, or the people who seem to be mentally well, and um, the people who are mentally ill, who I often think are slightly more enlightened. So um, let's see if we can get Grace out there. You've got the next one up for us. Um, now, this is many people's experiences of church. Um, Jesus says, a, brood a bruised reed I will not break. But I say to you, get over it, man. You should be healed by now. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and that's many people's experience of church, sadly, as Marion was touching on. And many people's response is, well, they try really hard. You know, we do wrong. We feel guilty. We, we ask for grace. We, we still feel guilty, and there's something about the way we're delivering 
grace in this country that is, is, is not getting to the, to the bottom of guilt, because either we're delivering grace with our mouths, but with our expressions and our hearts, we're still delivering guilt. Um, the flip side of that is that a person can be very depressed and may need grace explaining really carefully, or it may take them a long time to get over guilt, and that, that's the sort of depression part of that, even if the church is doing a good job. Um, but many churches are a bit like this, you know, I feel your presence, I sense your touch, I know you're there, I look into your face, and he's saying, hmm, that's not how I feel. And churches are designed, by and large, people who are socially confident. Um, and actually, one of the things I've discovered over the years is that actually high churches are quite good with liturgy. Um, you know, you, you can hide in liturgy, and sometimes hiding's a bad thing, and sometimes hiding's a good thing. So I think we need a range of churches around, but the church that we're all meant to emulate today is a bit like that one. And, and this is the common result, unfortunately, church, pub, church, pub, church, pub, church, pub, where shall I go? It's a pretty tough call sometimes, you know, you're going to go to church, or you're going to sing pub, drink some nice relaxing alcohol, and watch the football without too much being asked of you. And that's what many people choose. So what's gone wrong? Um, is grace the um, church's best kept secret, and, and why is that? And um, if you can maybe just get into our first sort of small group session and just think, well, what is going on in the church today that means people with mental health problems find it hard? And if you could just do that over just five minutes, that'd be great, and then we'll just try and get some feedback at the moment. What, what are the things the church is not doing quite so well at the moment? Okay. Okay, could we um, just take a little bit of feedback, if, if, if that's okay. Just, um, I'm just going to repeat some of what you say just for the microphones. As I say, one of the things we're keen to do is get this message out across Scotland. So um, it's not that I didn't hear you or you didn't say it very well. It's just for the benefit of, of, of people listening. Um, some really interesting things coming out of this group, I think, to, towards the end. Perhaps you could share a couple of the things that, that, that you were just saying there. Um, I don't know if there's a good spokesperson or anyone chip in. Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> well, we were just trying to kind of discuss what we felt could be the initial problems of a church. Not necessarily that the church doesn't care, but it could be ignorance or fear or the vast um, array of mental health issues because so many of us in church were ignorant of the fact of what actually people are having to deal with. And this gentleman's case. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been uh, service used about 30 years. I remember Adler First Baptist Battery for 28. And uh, it feels like the second half of that because um, they're, they're all people with stable lives, such as Grace, Hamlet, and Morgan. And the assistant pastor who was supposed to do the pastoral things, which would have been a possible chaplain. It, it said to me, well, it wasn't talking about mental health, because these psychiatrists aren't to be involved. I think like, they meant to stand up about that, that they could be doing it, and they wouldn't listen. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, the, the old minister, Jack Frim, his family was a contact about coming here, and I phoned them, tried to check the address, get us to address, which thought that I was in my area, I lived in Depot, Depot, and it's a, a cabin. Uh, being, 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 being promised attention and not getting it was one thing. Yes, and, and also so being promised attention and not getting it, and, and also sort of 
trying to get the attention from the person who knows something about the topic because you know there may be the person in the church who is the pastoral person and they might be very good maybe at listening or something like that or, or they may but they may not know very much about mental health problems and I suppose that's one of the reasons why we're trying to get information out there there is quite a lot of information but getting it to people is, is, is quite difficult and um, often you know the, the boss man the senior pastor whatever may actually know a reasonable amount about it a lot of pastors get into interested in this kind of topic perhaps when they do a placement during seminary of some kind but often the senior pastor has a large number of people to look about so we need to try and make sure there's lots of different people in the church who you could go and talk to about particular things okay. yes. it seems funny that a minister assistant minister a couple of years started you know, the pastoral things, and he's not here at that. Yeah. You know? I wouldn't have had that mental health, and then I go to the doctor, group DNA, and that, those kinds of things, 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 Slight response. You, you said there may be someone that you can go and talk to about it. There's something about time and place as well, and uh, the way the whole thing works and social interaction. In terms of Sunday not being the best time yes, to start absolutely. these conversations, maybe, and you know, there being some kind of accessible point during the week. Yeah, talking to, to one lady, Margaret, I just, just mentioned you in the middle. You know, there's a kind of there's a coffee morning on a Tuesday morning, and it, it, it's not an official mental health ministry. It's just. That's a really good place to start those kind of conversations. People there are interested in it, they're passionate about it, and you know how we can help people find that coffee morning. Um, I was working with a lady um, in near Halifax, and actually she'd started such a coffee morning because her husband had died, and it became her reason for carrying on as as, as a widow. But actually, it turned into uh, a sort of ministry for people who were struggling with depression and bereavement and it wasn't advertised as such it just became that and um, we, we ran a mental health day at the church and she said actually this is why I'm doing this coffee morning and no one knew everyone assumed she was doing it because she was a good woman who liked baking or something like that and but she was doing it because she was passionate about depression and bereavement and that's what it became which I thought was really interesting anything down the front here church, 21st century church, words like that. You know, we do want it to be a good display of Christianity, I suppose. You know, some days people we sometimes think is, you know, the shop front experience for many people. But the, there's a guy called Marshall McLuhan, who was a sociologist 10, 20 years ago, and he said the medium is the message. So in other words, you know, you can say what you want, but it's how you say it that's important. I mean, if I give you an example, I'm, I'm trying to be as approachable as I can at the moment. But the fact of the matter is, I've got a microphone and I'm standing up and you happen to be sitting down. And that means that there's an imbalance there. Now, in a day like this, hopefully we can get round it as much as we can by having long lunches, coffee mornings, small groups, that kind of stuff. But the, the medium is ultimately the message if we're not careful. And that's the way a lot of Sundays are set up, you know, with, I mean, some churches have, you know, multi-site and the preacher's on a screen and somewhere else. I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking, you can talk about humility through a video screen until the cows come home. 
but it's not going to work. And you know, there's something about how we do Sunday. You know, he's up on the glossy screen. It's, it's just not going to work. So there's something about the the medium of, of Sunday and all be great presentation and lasting. You know, one hour and ten minutes of the kids' church people don't go crazy. And which there's the there's good stuff in that, but we've got to get messy with church as well. Um, my, my partner in crime, the other director of Mind and Soul, did a, his closing keynote at our London conference was called Messy Church. And it's all about that. You know, the tensions have to be unresolved. We cannot pursue excellence regardless because actually you lose excellence in other areas. And we, we, we've got to get messy with, with how we do it. And if we can be good enough on a Sunday that, you know, stuff runs ish to time, because that is important for some people, but let's not be too good. Yeah. And we also have to be a bit older and, and taking back that which was once the churches. By that I mean uh, education, health, social work. Yeah. These all find the, the roots and history within Christianity. So it's not that we don't have a rich resource, it's just that it's been secularised. Yeah. And now we're in a situation where I think churches don't do health mm-hmm. very well. Uh, Definitely, and I think, yeah, you know, we're, we're often very focused on the vertical relationship with God, and perhaps we forget that church is also about restoring work, restoring health, restoring society, and sometimes you need professionals. I mean, one of my jobs, for example, is occasionally to detain people on locked wards who are very ill, and I wouldn't expect the church to do that, but actually quite a lot of what I do, the church could do sometimes, you know, so I think, you know, that the, the church needs to work alongside health services and perhaps start doing a little bit more of those kinds of things. I'm thinking about, you know, Crossreach, which is the social outreach arm of, of, of the Church of Scotland, is, is, is quite good at that. And um, that needs to be perhaps more on our agendas, you know, not, not just about things like soul winning. Because actually, you know, we send people from something to something as well. And that does start this side of heaven. Yeah. psychology and occasionally you find stuff that looks like good psychology from a secular point of view that's actually out of line with theology but actually usually good psychology and good counseling is also in line with good psychology and we've got to try and draw those two out Um, I'll give you an example who's heard of the Myers-Briggs personality test okay trendy personality inventory lots of people use it Mrs. Myers and Mrs. Briggs were Christians um, so it's used by lots of Christians they're both ladies by the way Um, but it's really interesting because it's got these four dimensions to it. Whereas if you talk to any academic psychologist, one sitting there, they will tell you there are at least five stable dimensions of personality. And one of those is called neuroticism, which is the tendency to be anxious or worry. And that's not in Myers-Briggs. It focuses on the other four, which are about conscientiousness, extroversion, that, that, that kind of stuff. Okay, so, so Myers-Briggs misses out one of the dimensions of personality that actually is really, really important. And it, a biologist would say it's been selected for genetically over the years. It has advantages. It makes you a warm person, a more empathic person. But it's not in the Myers-Briggs. We don't like talking about 
worry and anxiety as being helpful emotions at times. Maybe it was when Myers-Briggs was first started, it went into the business environment and it was used by businesses to help them develop their teams and that kind of stuff. And I wonder if why that's that why that personality was lost off. And um, in the same way my Marion was reading from Psalm 77. You don't preach on Psalm 77 very often. You don't see personality tests focusing on the benefits of, of, of having a neurotic tint to your personality very often. So you've got bad psychology and bad theology there. And if you get Psalm 77 and the full understanding of personality, it can be really, really important. Okay, yeah, something at the back. Can I just say that, I mean, I think that the lot towards the main place of the church So, I mean, locked wards and when people are being sectioned. And of course, you know, section, being sectioned is a very key thing about identity and liberty, particularly if the person's extremely unwell at the moment. It is a spiritual experience being sectioned, you know, usually a negative one. But, it, you know, if a person has faith, all the kind of, that's a sort of peak, peak moment, if you like. Um, but it's also an amazing moment when people just need companionship or a moment of opportunity to be openness to the big themes in life when everything else is falling apart. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as the churches have often got the time and resources, the people to do this kind of stuff. And the um, but the health boards do have a requirement to seek out volunteers. Um, every single um, healthcare chaplain in Glasgow knows about today because the senior mental health chaplain in Edinburgh emailed them all and told them about it. Um, so you know, the opportunities are there. Hope people are realising that that you know stuff is moving forward. And um, but sometimes those relationships take time to build. You know, you, rather than sort of saying, "Hey, we're a church. We want to get in on your act." can seem quite threatening, um, whereas if you build the relationships over time, um, the visiting and the volunteering should always be primarily about the person, not about evangelism with a capital E. You know, you, you have to start off with that kind of viewpoint, because partly that's what the health board demands, and partly I think that's the right place to start. Um, Could you suggest, are there any group of professionals that might, rather than going to the chaplains, since we were a church organisation, we went to chaplains. Mm -hmm. Would there, would it have the, the difficulties? It's outside of our parish. Yeah. So, other people we would do better to make the contact with. There's an agenda in Scotland called PFPI. And all health boards are meant to be involved in PFPI, and it stands for Patient Focused Public Involvement. So it's the sort of non-clinical, non-government side of it, and. Um, there should be a PFPI person around who's interested in, who should be interested in voluntary groups who are doing good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you deal with complex issues. Um, if you're working, say, someone with organisations like GMH, SMH, they have a policy. So 
you've got a conflict there that that applies to sexual orientation. Yeah. You know, you heard about the paper that guy Peter who was arrested. Yeah. Uh, you can't you can't go into these papers and, and not go along with the common policy now. Well, I mean, I think that's true. I think, I mean, equality can be a two-sided thing. So, I mean, you know, there is equality legislation that's going to be, I mean, at the moment it's just a policy, but it's, it's going to be legal next year, you know, and it, it does cover a whole bunch of things, race, um, age, and also more difficult topics for Christians like gender and, and things like that. But it also covers spirituality. So that the, the flip side of the equality policy means that they should be asking every single person there, do you have a faith? How do you think your faith influences your care that you're receiving? So the, the equality policy raises some difficulties, but it also opens some doors as well. And I think, I think that's quite interesting. But can I just get back, if I can, just to the church? I think, you know, I mean, one of the sort of themes here is how do we change and transform the NHS? But um, we're meant to be sort of looking at the church today. So is that right? If I just sort of get, get back to that as well. Okay, I've got my buzzer to work. I think I was standing too far away. Um, let's move on a little bit. So, um, why these are some of the sort of ideas? I mean, I put these up because I love these cartoons, not because you guys didn't come up with these kind of things. I think if I stand there, that's probably best, and well, somewhere like this. Um, you know, there's a lot of stigma. Um, people are not spoken to. The topic is not raised, and sometimes they've got all this stuff going on inside their heads, and the silence is deafening. Um, more stigma. Um, so there we are. Trouble, backslider, weak, heretic, reliable. Label people. That's how you know where you stand. Okay, and it, it's a very easy technique to label people, um, but obviously it's not a very helpful one. Yeah. Can I say? I think we're we're looking at this um, in the context of being inclusive with people with, with mental health issues mm -hmm. of, of whatever level. But I think we also have to be very realistic that um, coming alongside um, individuals. I mean, for example, an adult attachment disorder, where um, life for particular individuals in a church who are coming alongside a person becomes very difficult, where there's a kind of stalking type of um, reaction. Um, and that's just, just one example. Um, so we have to be very honest about um, difficulties for individuals in the church who are wanting um, before God genuinely to, to care but actually maybe even feel their hands tied in situations where, where there's education and support. Definitely. I mean, I mean Jesus said, um, you know, when he sent out, I can't remember if it was the 12 or the 72, but he said, you know, behold, I'm sending you out amongst wolves, therefore you have to be as patient as doves and as wise as snakes. And I think, you know, we need to do both sides of this. We do need, the, the vast majority of the time, I'm talking really about the milder forms of um, anxiety, depression, early dementia, people who've had a past experience, uh, people who are on antidepressants and therefore they can talk about it, that kind of stuff. But th there are people who it's going to be difficult to help for a large number of reasons, either because they absorb huge amounts of help or because there may be a danger element or something like that. So we do need to be wise. Um, we do need to have a good pastoral care policy. I think it's helpful for someone in the church to have, you know, responsibility for thinking that through who, who has some experience of more severe illness as well. So, yeah. Um, SWEGS, this is a, a sort of thing. SWEGS stands for Sickly Weak Evangelical Grins. Um, people who go, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. You know, that, 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 that kind of thing. Um, you need more joy in your life. 
Well, I'll, I'll have a cheap bearable. I'll work on joy. And and I think I think sometimes you know we sort of you know how are we all fine you know oh, lovely yes nice band you know nice sermon minister you know it, it's that kind of stuff the sort of lack of lack of realism um, you know that we, we sort of all wear and we do all wear masks. I'm wearing a mask today, but let, let's not make sure that mask doesn't get in the way of actually being real Christians as well. Um, name it and claim it. Prosperity theology. Okay, um, you know, uh, what does the cartoon say? Um, it's simple, all you have to do is trust in God and you'll fly, easy. Oops! <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, prosperity theology is great from the perspective of the person who has been successful. From the person who has not been successful, it's tremendously abusive. Okay, so... Um, well, exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, I mean, the, the Bible, of course, has two sides to this coin, doesn't it? You know, it has promises. And it also has a noun and not yet, and there's a whole bunch of things. Um, one of the seminars at our last conference was on um, emotional health and mental wealth, and it was a fantastic, great Indian friend of mine talking about prosperity gospel and miracles and healings and all that kind of stuff, but from a very pastoral point of view. He's a professor of pastoral theology at one of the big universities in India. He's a fascinating guy to listen to. So, but uh, Chris Nanakin, G-N-A-N-A-K-A-N. He's, he's got a, a www.chrisnanakin.com is his website. There's loads of stuff about that on there. So, I mean, prosperity theology can be so encouraging, can be heretical, and can be awful. Um, not thinking. Um, you know, please leave coats on the left, please leave brains on the right. Um, you know, the idea that, um, you know, you went to go into church and sit there like um, docile sheep and receive whatever's coming at you and... Uh, you know, churches are meant to be experimenting places. That means that sometimes a person giving the sermon will be experimenting. There may be a junior person. Um, you know, we need to take our brains with us. Acts 17, be like the noble Bereans and carefully examine everything we say to see if it is in accordance with Scripture. Okay, so, um, you know, we do have to keep our, take our brains in and um, not thinking is a problem. And, and often, this is what happens when someone does try to think. This is the minister. Um, Hi, Bishop, could you send us a new minister? This one's broken. <laughs> So when church leaders do try to get serious about it and um, do try to sort of meet some of the needs of their congregation, and they might be the only person trying to do that, they can often end up very depressed. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest cause of sickness in the Church of England, the Church of Scotland, is depression. But you don't see that in any reports. It's the biggest cause of clergy time off in the UK. Well, I'll just, I'll Also, for ministers who are, who are still in still in ministry positions and you know, struggling with depression, you know, days off are not respected. Um, 
people are meant to be jack of all trades. You know, I mean, it's 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 a very difficult position to, to be in. You know, you feel that you and there's lots of oughts and shoulds, and I have a strong call from God. Therefore, I can't stop. I can't say no. You know, and all those kind of things sort of fit into being a church leader. <coughs> so can we try again? Um, let's try and look at church in a different way. Um, what I'd like to do for your next small group session, if that's okay, is um, what does the church have to offer that is so important? You know, why is Christianity better than um, other faiths, uh, secular approaches? You know, what, what is there that Christianity has to offer people with mental health problems that is so important? Five minutes if you could. Okay, do you want to just gather yourselves together? Now, the answer to every Sunday school question we know is Jesus. <laughs> but I'm looking for a slightly deeper answer to these questions, if that's okay. Now, just because I've got one more small group thing I want to do, do you mind if I um, just show you a few cartoons, and then perhaps we'll ask if there was anything that, that wasn't covered, just to speed things along a little bit. Um, these are some cartoons I have, which is I like. Um, much of my doing is motivated by the fact that I am less than at ease with my being. And uh, I think the church has got a lot to say about identity, and I love this cartoon. Look at me, I'm beautiful, a big, bouncy, beautiful woman. Thank you, God, every day for making me so beautiful. And I put that up because identity, identity, identity is, is so important. There should be a meal there. There should be. Maybe not jumping up and down. Realism. I've talked a little bit about realism before, but um, this is life which is filled with, with ups and downs. More realism. Um, on the mountaintop, ah, this is where real life is to experience. And in the valley, as someone used to say, to get from one mountaintop to the next mountaintop, you have to go through the valley. Okay? And this is where real life is to be experienced. And I mean, David, for example, learned so much in the wilderness. Um, Ezekiel learned, and Jeremiah learned so much in, in their respective pits. So, um, you know, realism about where life is to be experienced. Um, I was talking to a friend, uh, standing Bradford, yesterday, and he'd just done a, a sort of gap year for the church, and he had a tremendous buzz, and it was great. And the year after the gap year, life had not gone quite so well from him, and he was sort of saying, oh, I wish I could get back to how I felt during that year. And I said, no, you don't. You know, in that year, you grew sideways. You grew in your understanding and your breath. This second year, you've grown in your depth. And actually, that's just as important. It's not quite so much fun, but the answers you learn are just as important and just as profound. Um, forgiveness. Um, why did you hurt me, Dad? Because I was hurting. Now, I put that out to be deliberately controversial, okay? Not because I think we ought to automatically forgive and forget abuse, okay? That's not why I put that up, but we need to understand forgiveness. It's, it's, it's so important we need to find a way of doing forgiveness which is helpful, does justice to the situation, both in a spiritual morality and in an earthly morality as well. So we've got so much to offer in terms of forgiveness, reconciliation, that kind of thing. Because you see the truth in reconciliation, committees get it so wrong. Now when Simon left home, he took all his baggage with him. Grief, insecurity, pain, angst, bitterness, abuse, anger, depression, and loss. Continuity. Churches have been on their street corners for centuries, often. Um, you know, and I mean, yes, there are newer churches, but even most of them have been around for 5, 10, 15 years. You know, so the church is there for the long haul. Whereas even if you do see a, a, a psychiatrist or a counsellor, you know, a few years max, often. Um, you know, so the church is there for the long haul, and we've got a lot to offer in terms of 
continuity and literally the cradle to grave. Um, hopefully a bit more than hatches, matches and dispatches, but you know, it, there is the cradle to grave idea. And also the environment, uh, we've had a bit of a talk about, you know, I'm not happy in large groups, I don't like singing and I'm not really keen on lectures. Hmm, I wonder if I should go to church in the morning. <laughs> um, but can we get the right environment that is a safe place? And if we can get good places, then I think that's, that, that's really encouraging. And also we can offer people help. Uh, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? I think people are asking questions, profound questions, existential, spiritual questions, and um, the spiritual aspects and dimensions to all of those things. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, again, evangelism with a big E, just, just a place for people to ask questions, because a lot of questions get asked at this kind of time. So how should we change? Uh, fragile handle with care inside as a person. Um, just before we get onto that, any sort of unique things the church has to offer that weren't summed up somewhere in those cartoons? Just some real discussions. Well, you said don't show it out of Jesus, and it's understood, but then actually the matter is gone. Well, there's other religions that offer God, but I do think that's Christian, we do have something unique to offer. And something that I've often said is that if you, if you take Buddhism, for example, it's a faith that's very psychologically based, and I think that's why it's gained popularity amongst the psychologists, maybe psychiatrists in the West, but from a Christian perspective, it kind of seeks to avoid the whole question of suffering by some technique, whereas my understanding of Christianity is we face suffering head on, and putting that beside the prosperity gospel as a counter, mm -hmm. if you like, mm -hmm. we are encouraged by the grace of God through suffering, and that's the way of the cross. Yes. Uh, and Jesus is absolutely central. I mean, I think, I mean, partly, I mean, that was there in the identity things. You know, this is my son, whom I'm loved, with whom I'm well pleased. You know, God gives Jesus an identity. He, he tells him that he's part of a family, that he's in receipt of love, and that he is valued even though he hasn't started his ministry and done anything, quote, useful, unquote, yet. So, I mean, that, that, that verse is so, so important for identity, but also just that, you know, we are sons and daughters of Adam, as Aslan would say. Um, that, you know, Jesus, all the things that Jesus experienced, you know, he experienced abandonment and betrayal on the cross, he tried to love people, they spat in his face, there's so many things that the incarnation of Jesus has done, and of course there's so many things that the hope of the gospel can, can do as well, so I think, you know, the core Christian message without a doubt is, is, is very, you know, to have a father, a whole bunch of things in there, yeah. I mean, mindfulness is fascinating, isn't it, because the Buddhists have nicked mindfulness, Lots of mindfulness in Celtic Christianity. You know, we need to kind of sort of sort of get a bit of that back, I think. There's an article on the front page of the Mind Soul website on mindfulness at the moment. So mm -hmm. at, at the Mind and Soul website. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, one of our groups said a guaranteed place in heaven. Yes. Not entirely joking. Yes. And then hope. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean hope. Abraham and Sarah, Abraham, it says in um, Hebrews 11, Abraham had hope beyond hope, or hope beyond human hope. And I think we can offer hope when everything else is hopeless. You know, even if it's in the head, even if you can't get hold of it in your heart, we do have an, an intellectual hope, and perhaps we can hold hope for people who can't put it into their heart at the moment. Add it on to the hope, hope that things are going to get better. Yes, you know, yes. personal experience, when you go through depression, always save yourself, it's, it's 
for the lift. It's not going to last forever. Yes. It feels like it's lasting forever. Yes. But also from a Christian perspective, you know that there's hope beyond this life. Yeah. No, it is. It is, and I think it's important to have those 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 kind of promises. Not in a sort of, you know, be me out of here, Scotty. Although sometimes we've all prayed that prayer, I bet. But in a very real sense, that you know, that this is going to get sorted out. The bad guys are going to get their comeuppance. You know, Hitler is going to be judged, and possibly forgiven. I don't know what Hitler believed, but. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of you know there, there is a time coming when all of those questions are going to be sorted out. The person who abused you will be called to account. You know that that, that time is coming. Okay. Um, oh, I'm not quite sure why that's there. Oh, I know why that's there. Um, we I wrote an article called "Mental Health Friendly Churches" on the Minosaur website a little while ago, and we invited some feedback and people to sort of write in and email, and I'll, I'll show you their answers in a second. Um, but um, what I wonder if we could do, just to sort of finish off, and I think we're going to go slightly beyond half past, but I guess they are upstairs as well, is what are the marks of a mental health friendly church? Now I'd like you to think of the obvious ones, um, such as, you know, a counsellor. Now, I mean, is that important, for example? I'd like you to think about that. What are the less obvious ones? Um, so are there other sort of things that you might think, well, actually, that, that's a good mark, you know, that, that ought to be something. And then are there some sort of less direct things? So, for example, we all talk about, you know, the environment, you know, being welcoming. But it, it, what are the sort of marks of, of that? Because that's incredibly difficult to, to describe. I'm interested in what are the sort of marks of a mental health-friendly church? Now, I realise this is a really, really difficult task, but I've, I've given you some post-it notes, and perhaps as a group, there's roughly one post-it note each. You could write down three or four things in each group that you think are the important marks of a mental health friendly church, and they can come under any of those three categories or other things. And when you've finished, can you come and stick them up on here, on the bottom half of that, that wall beneath where the screen is, okay? So what are the marks of a mental health friendly church? And I'll, I'll give you right through until probably just after half past, and then we'll sort of go through what people are thinking, okay? And the only thing I say is try to be specific. So if you think well, being welcoming is the important mark, try and make that as specific as you can. What do you actually mean by that? How would you know whether a church is welcoming? Okay, do you want to come and um, you join us, person? Come and stick your things up. Great to sort of see what sort of things people have come up with before we finish for lunch. Okay, just while you're coming to stick things up, it's only fair if I'm asking for your opinion that you hear other people's opinions. So these are the other things that people were saying. Um, what is the single best marker? That it's friendly, nearby, the local church, accept people as they are, no newbies welcome. <laughs> um, but maybe some kind of welcome, but not a, if you're new, please stand up. Um, the leadership being sympathetic. Links with the local community, not always positive. Jesus-like, system of support, small, counsellor, and the language that's used. And the, the sort of summary is, that, can you measure it? Is Well, it was, it was hard to measure it well. Okay, we'll just uh, go through some of the things that, that you sort of put up. Um, opportunity for one-to-one -one time, a harder touch, uh, worship more than one format style small and large, 
pastoral care strategy and informed and educated pastoral team. Yeah. Leadership is honest and willing to be open and vulnerable. Uh, they are very good performers, aren't they? People who stand up on stage. And there's a time for disclosure and a time not for disclosure, but it's a shame if the um, you know pastor doesn't seems to be, you know, super a pastor. He usually serves a number of denominations, you know, and it is a bit of a, a shame. And uh, my, my partner in crime, Will van der Hart, who's one of the other directors of mine and so he described himself as a, as a super pastor in the past. He came out of theological college and thought he could change the world. And although the trigger for him was the London bombings and him getting PTSD as a result of that, it was actually coming anyway. And he was on antidepressants for a while because his lifestyle was completely unsustainable because he thought that's what he ought to do and um, I guess maybe everyone else encouraged that as well so okay people who are available and willing to give their time people on the door yeah it's, it's so important isn't it just that even if it's just a hello welcome you know I mean yes it's superficial social glue chit chat but at least someone said hi and shaking your hand you know I mean, you don't have to respond you're not meant to respond on the door but it, you know it's just it's just so important to have something um, kind and welcoming spirit, good listeners available, not being glib, being honest, prepared to get alongside those with messy problems. Yes, and I'd add to that, you know, without having the answers. Um, one of the things I've just put up on the website is, is an amazing set of um, 16 things not to say, written by a lady who's the carer of a man with very severe depression, and these are 16 well-meaning things, like, you know, have you tried praying? It's just like, <laughs> I used to be a church leader, you know, I think it's probably crossed my mind to pray about this. And, you know, people come up with, with sort of daft suggestions. And there's also sort of 16 things to say instead, stay instead, like, I'm going to Tesco, can I get you a shop? You know, simple kind of stuff like, like that. You don't have to be a psychoanalyst to support people with mental health problems. It's probably best if you're not, actually. Um, available pastoral care team. Um, people available to help at specific times. Details in church notices. Yes, we need to get this stuff out there. It's not as trendy as a full night of prayer, but it's it's got to be there. Okay, person-centered. Everyone's an individual, differently to different people. Um, love Jesus. Going where the, the sinners are. Love people with compassion. Didn't approve of bad behaviour, but did see past the action to the person. Yes, understanding, listening. Um, public prayers, etc. You know, open microphone times reflect difficulties as well as oh, you know, I had an amazing kind of time. We've actually got a really good open mic session at church I go to, Morningside Baptist Church in Edinburgh. And quite often it's people just saying I'm really struggling. Please pray for me. You know, and sometimes it's we had a mission last week. It was amazing. Ten people got saved. You know, so you, you've got to have both of those sort of things coming over the microphone. Okay. What have we got else to do? I think um, this is this is a solution. Um, I thought about trying to sort of put this onto a sort of rating scale or a sort of TripAdvisor kind of kind of thing. You know, can this be made into a database? You know, do we have a rating scale? Do we have gold, silver, and bronze awards for mental health friendly churches? Do we have a sort of TripAdvisor kind of setup? And the more I thought about it, the more it made me cringe. Um, so I, I, I thought to some people from through the roof. Uh, you heard Through the Roof, it's um, Jenny Erickson's charity for people with learning and physical disabilities a lot of the time, although they are interested in sort of disability across the board. And um, they've, for a long time, partnered with an organisation called um, findachurch.co.uk, and many churches in the UK are on this database. And when you fill in your church's profile, one of the things you have to say is, 
do you meet certain disability criteria, like have you got open access, is there a hearing loop, and that kind of thing. And I was talking through the roof and we are trying to say, you know, is it, could we add an extra criteria to sort of say mental health friendly? And we thought, well, what does that mean? It's not as easy to describe as having a hearing loop. Um, and had quite a few chats with them, and the, the sort of thing they're suggesting is that actually the best thing for churches to do is to self-identify. And they found with their work with physical disability that just because a church has a ramp and a hearing loop, if the church is not committed to working with disability, that's a waste of time. You know, I mean, Tesco has a ramp, doesn't have a hearing loop, but, you know, it, 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 the church has got to be committed to it. So they're actually getting rid of their award system. They're getting rid of a lot of their physical criteria. And we've tried to come up with them with some sort of general criteria that describe disability. And this is sort of where we're at at the moment. Um, Disabled people, I don't know if that's the right word, but these are their words. Disabled people are currently in attendance and feel they belong. A contact team is available to consult with disabled people and champion disability issues. Again, I'm not quite sure about the word disability, but you see where they're coming from. Information is available in alternative formats appropriate for different needs. Physical adjustments are willingly made to help those with different needs. Church activities welcome, accept, and are a positive environment for those considered to be different to the average. People give their time sacrificially to listen and respond to pastoral issues. And the culture and the ethos of the church is one of an ongoing journey of valuing all, addressing their needs, and enabling them to use their gifts and contribute. And I suppose the idea would be that um, churches would sort of say, yes, we like that, we want to do more of that, can we be on your database, and the senior pastor knows about this. You know, I mean... <coughs> That is sort of the idea of a sort of starting point at the moment, because the idea of marking churches out of ten, um, or just because they have a councillor on the staff. Um, interestingly, no one said a councillor. I mean, I know, maybe that's because I mentioned it before, but no one thought it's really important that churches have a trained councillor. Um, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't, but you know, it, it's like, you know, just because you, I mean, a lot of churches sometimes appoint a councillor because they think, oh, we've got these emotional questions, we need someone to sort it out, and then we can get on with the business of being church. And I, I, I know that's not how councillors think, but a lot of pastors maybe are tempted to appoint a councillor with that kind of thinking in mind, because actually it's got to be much, much more involved and integrated than that. Um, Mark Driscoll did a, fun, he's an American pastor. Did an amazing seminar for a load of American councillors called Get Your Air War and Your Ground War Joined Up. He's a bloke who likes sports, so that's, that's kind of his, his metaphor. What he's saying is, you know, if you're going to preach something, pastoral care team have got to know about it the week before. And you, you've, got to get, you've got to get the big and the small in the church sort of, sort of joined up. You know, it can't just be, I'm going to preach this and we'll let the councillor sort the rest out. It's, it's got to be more joined up. Um, just before we close quickly, a few things, people thoughts on those kind of things. Is self-identification a good way to go? Any closing reflections at all? And then we'll, then we'll stop. I think it's quite important to um, the person at the door trying to know who uh, another person can go to kind of thing to sit beside if they're new to church or uh, and they have mental health issues, you know, that, um, that that's there in place, you know, that... that um, there's got to be follow through. It can't just be a hi, how are you? Yeah. I'm awful. Oh, never mind. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, the, 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 there's got to be some kind of response to a difficult answer. You know, actually, I'm suicidal. Well, never mind. Just take a seat in the third pew. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's. I mean, we can joke about it, but it's a fair point. You know, the person. If you're going to ask the questions, you've got to have the answers and the strategy. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
Any, anything else? Yeah. You're talking about uh, publicising. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the website called shipperpools.com. Yes. Uh, the mystery worshipper aspect of it. You know, sometimes just a record of people's experience yes. is useful. You know, so there's a mystery, mystery person shipping up at a, a church and giving them a great account. I think that would be great. Um, one of the things we're after is um, a sort of advocate for each bit of the UK. So someone could do Glasgow if they want to and uh, populate the database with you. You know, you, you guys know what's good and bad in Glasgow. So let, let's get that on, 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 onto the website so other people can, can find out about that. And whether it's sort of Ship of Fools and Mocking the Singing Out of Ten. And that, I, mean, I, think, I think it's a hilarious website. Um, so I've read my church's entry and everyone ought to. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, one, one more comment. Yeah. Okay, I think just when it says um, sacrificially, you listen sacrificially, um, I, would, I would think that it was a lot of times a privilege to be in a position to be allowed to go the extra mile with somebody. Yep. And it's, it's recognising that, that actually you're in a, a privileged position yes. rather than sacrificing. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And, it, 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 you know, don't let the councillors have all the fun. You know, I mean, councillors see amazing change and growth in people. Let's... Let's, let, let, let's have some of that amazing change experienced by the whole congregation. Let, let, let's all get alongside each other because everyone grows and that, that's so exciting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Um, when you go out, please go through the, the back door and go and get your whatever is coming. It smells very good. I'm not quite sure what it is though. <laughs> through that door. <laughs>